0: Morning everybody hope you're all well my name is Josh I'm part of the leadership team here at Redeemer King. Uh, I'm going to be continuing uh, looking through Exodus today and when I first read this passage we're going to look at today the one thing that stood out to me immediately was the word trust and I couldn't really speak this morning without mentioning the footy and after an incredible evening at Wembley um, A couple of weeks ago when when England beat the old foe Germany, I read an article that really made me think about trust. It said this, it said, it's time to trust Gareth Southgate. That does not mean agreeing with every decision that he makes. It does not mean he will always make the right calls. It is not even simply because England beat Germany in the last 16 of the European Championship. Given that one Thomas Muller goal could have produced a very different result, a very different mood around Wembley, and a very different summer. It's time to trust Gareth Southgate because today, unquestionably, the highlight of his time in charge of the national team, despite the success of the World Cup, did not happen by accident. It was part of a five years of slow, gradual, but methodical progress that has at times been so gradual that from the outside, it has been mistaken for no progress at all. On the inside, it has always looked different. And like I said, I'm going to be continuing uh, our series, working through Exodus, and I'm going to be finishing off uh, looking through Exodus 5 and and moving into Exodus 6. So just to give you a bit of a, a recap of where we've got to, after a bit of convincing, Moses headed off to Egypt, And he's gone up to Pharaoh and he says, right, Pharaoh, you know, this group of people that are building all your empire for you, this brilliant bunch of builders that are building these amazing buildings for you. Well, God says you need to let them have a bit of a holiday where they can go into the wilderness and have a festival. And Pharaoh's response is, "Uh, no, mate, Uh, I don't even know who this God is that you're talking about. And I tell you what I will do. I'm going to make their lives even harder than they already are. I'm going to make it so that they don't even have the bricks that they need to build these buildings I'm making them build. They're going to have to make their own bricks. And as you can imagine, the Israelites aren't that happy about this. So they go and ask Pharaoh themselves for a bit of uh, a bit of leniency. Like, why are you doing this to us? Please don't treat us like this. But Pharaoh just digs his heels in calls them lazy and tells them to get on with it so then the israelites find moses and start complaining and blaming him for their lives actually getting harder not better they say my lord look uh, may the lord look on you and judge you they're basically saying may god condemn you for what you've done to us and it leads us to the bit we're looking at today and it starts in um, 5 exodus 5 verse 22. so let's just look at that it says moses returned to the lord and said why lord why have you brought trouble on this people is this why you sent me ever since i went to pharaoh to speak in your name He has brought trouble on this people and you have not rescued your people at all. Now, the first thing I noticed about this is that after people have a go at Moses and blame him for their lives getting harder, he didn't just start an argument with them. He didn't go and moan to his brother Aaron about how the people didn't understand him or about how God had let him down. You didn't say, I don't know what God's doing either, people. Like, leave me alone. Don't get on my back. Rather than complaining to everyone else, Moses goes straight to God. He made it a private prayer with God. And I can imagine that Moses is feeling a bit confused, a bit angry. Uh, there There he was living a nice, peaceful life in the countryside and a burning bush starts talking to him. It tells him to go to Pharaoh and to tell Pharaoh to let the people go. So he does all this, uh, and he just gets a slap in the face. Pharaoh says no, and the people who was trying to help proper kick off at him. So Moses goes to God, and I think is a bit angry. I think he's a bit confused. It is like, why God? What, like why have you not done what you said you were going to do why haven't you rescued your people now i don't think god will have been offended by moses honest honesty here i I think i think that it is understandable that we should go to god with our burdens and our hurts and even if you are angry with god you should tell him and i think that's what we should do when things are eating up at us, when things are eating at us inside. Let's not moan to people about it, let's just take it straight to God. So, how does God respond to these complaints, uh, to these moans of Moses? He responds with promises. It makes a series of promises of what he's going to do. So, let's look at it, let's continue looking. So, we're in Exodus 6 now, uh, 1 through to 8, and it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see that what I will do to Pharaoh because of my mighty hand, I will let them go because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord, and in many ways, I think these promises here are a picture of what God is not only going to do for the Israelites in Egypt but what is going to do what He has done for us. He says, "I will bring you out of your, from your burdens. I will free you from being a slave. I will redeem you. I will take you as my own child." I will be your God. I will bring you into a new land and I will give you possession of that land. If you've ever been through a tragedy or trouble, if you're ever just struggling, when you cry out, just like Moses did, why, 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 why is this happening? It's God's promises that you need. But how can we trust God? How can we trust that God will actually come good on those promises? Now, there's lots of people that um, there's lots of people that I trust. There's lots of people that I don't trust, and I trust some more than others. But when I was about fifteen or sixteen, I got into rock climbing with my brother and a few of uh, a few of our mates. And I'm sure you'll appreciate that when you're climbing, you've got to put a lot of trust in other people, and, and not only in other people but also in uh, the equipment that you use. And I remember once uh, when we'd first started climbing, I'd got I've got my first proper uh, harness. I say first proper harness because up until that point, I'd been using one of my mate's harnesses that he, he basically made himself out of some old bits of seatbelt material and it just basically riveted them together. And I can't believe we actually did that, but I seem to be able to put a lot of trust in some bits of material with a bit of metal through them. Uh, but anyway, uh, it seemed to work. So, as, w- as with anything new, I just wanted to try it out. And what better way to try out a new harness than to abseil out of my bedroom window? Uh, we didn't, we'd didn't. we only just start climbing, so we didn't have much uh, kit. But we didn't even have a rope. But our next-door neighbour had uh, given us a, an old tow rope, so we used that. I mean, it was the most ragged piece of rope you've ever seen. It was frayed. In the middle uh, it was oil stained it just wasn't something that you'd you'd want to trust your life uh, your life in it, you know you wouldn't want to uh, abseil with it um, for sure but I want to try out this new harness so we've got this rope um, the other thing that we struggled with was obviously houses bedrooms aren't designed for abseiling out of so there was nowhere to actually anchor the rope to there was nowhere to fix the rope so um there was there was my brother and two mates um one of my mates was quite a big lad so we thought he's probably the best bet to anchor the rope to so we tied the rope around his waist um i also had uh bunk beds so we wrapped the rope around the bunk beds as well and then my brother and uh, my other mate held the rope as well so i would got three lads holding the rope and it was tied around a bunk bed happy days i thought that that'll, that'll do Uh, I can put my trust in that, Um, so I tied the rope up to myself, made sure that's all nice and safe, got out of the window. As I started leaning back out of the window, I suddenly had a little bit of a panic. Like, maybe I don't trust these three lads holding this rope, and maybe this rope that's all frayed and oil-stained isn't the best thing to be using to stop me from falling. But it was too late, I'd already, I'd gone past the point of no return. So I leant back and the rope just just stretched. It just carried on stretching and I ended up upside down outside of my house with my head dangling uh, in front of my dining room window where my mum was ironing. Uh, she came outside and she went absolutely mental like, you idiot, what are you doing? You're going to kill yourself, get down. I mean, she might use some uh, more harsh words than that, but she essentially said we weren't... Weren't being very bright, you can get down and not do it again. Um, now, I learned some things from that. I learned that you you can't trust uh, a rope that's not a proper climbing rope. Um, and I learned that it's not a good thing to abseil out of a window. But during that, during that little exercise, I put a lot of trust in various things. And there was various reasons why I did that. I trusted my mates because I'd been climbing with them before. And I tell you that very long winded story for a reason. When you meet someone for the first time, you might trust them to a certain degree, depending on how they look, how they talk, how you generally feel about them. And depending on how you feel, you might trust that person to hold the rope while you abseil out of a window, or you might trust that person to cook you a meal and not poison you. there will be other things you probably won't trust that person with you might not trust them with keeping a secret or you might not trust them that you can open up and tell them all your your deepest feelings you might not trust that person that they'll tell you the truth about certain things and there's a saying trust is earned not given and i agree with that to a certain degree there is always a platform of trust to start from, and, and that will differ from person to person. But the key to growing trust is through relationship. There are a few people in my life that I would I would trust anything with. I would trust my life to them. I trust them with my deepest secrets. But that's only because we got to know each other. It's only because we got to develop a relationship. And through time, uh, I had learned to trust them more. And one thing that stood out to me in this passage is verse two to four. It says, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, sorry, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. So there are different names for God that all describe different attributes of his character. And he uses two here. He says, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob only knew me as a more generic name for God, El Shaddai. But you you, uh, Moses and the Israelites will know me as Lord Yahweh. So why does he use different names? Well it literally is to describe who he is, to describe his character. Now I'm a massive Leeds United fan and most people will know that England are only doing so well in the Euros because Calvin Phillips is absolutely smashing it. But Calvin is a Leeds lad who Who's played for Leeds since a young boy, and the Leeds fans have nicknamed him the Yorkshire Perlo. And if you don't know much about football, this won't really mean anything to you, but he's named the Yorkshire Perlo after an Italian footballer called Andrea Perlo. Now, Andrea Perlo was probably one of the best midfield players ever, uh, and he was well known for being a deep lying midfield player who had an amazing vision. And he could basically put a ball wherever he wanted it. So anyone who knows about this, anyone knows about football, um, will know that when we call Calvin Phillips the Yorkshire Perlow, we're not saying his name is the Yorkshire Perlow. We're describing what type of player he is. It gives you some insight into how Calvin plays football. And these names for God give us insight into what God is like. The name God uses here is Lord or Yahweh, which is a more personal name for God than the more generic name El Shaddai. And he says that he hadn't made himself known to Abraham, Isaac or Jacob as this name. But if you look back earlier in the Bible, this name Lord or Yahweh does appear. So what does he mean when he says, by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. Well, I think is saying they didn't know him as personally as Moses and as the Israelites will get to know him. They will get to know God more personally than Abraham, Isaac or Jacob did. Moses and the Israelites are going to experience God in a more personal way. And When I read this passage, I can't help but thinking that Moses must have thought the story was going to go like this right, God has sent me to Pharaoh, so I'm going to walk up to Pharaoh, tell, uh, tell him that God has sent me, and because God has sent me, Pharaoh will do what I asked. He's going to let the people go. But it doesn't go like that. Pharaoh says, no, in fact, things actually get worse. I think Moses' mistake was in presuming how and when God would fulfill, fulfill His promise. Moses, Moses misread or misunderstood what God said. Let's look back in um, in chapter in Exodus three, 9, verses nineteen to twenty-two. It says, "But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him." So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go and I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty handed. So if Moses had remembered that, if he'd have thought about it, He would have known that those things hadn't happened yet. I think God was pretty clear, but that's because we have the benefit of hindsight. But we need to make sure we don't misread God's promises. When we try and fix the situation ourselves, the result will never be as good as when we follow God's plan. When we follow God's plan, people will see and know how amazing God is just as Pharaoh ended up seeing and real realising the might of God and if you don't know the Lord then you won't trust him when you can't work out what he's doing when his plans don't match with yours instead we'll just complain like Moses and the Israelites did the delay in the fulfillment of god's promises reveals the people's hearts when they were promised blessings they were excited but the, but when they realized they were in trouble they started to complain about god and i find this quite challenging actually and and i wondered if it described me in any way you know when i get when i get what i want i'm a passionate christian but when i don't get what i want I can find myself complaining when god doesn't do what you want when you want how you want when you realize you're in trouble in some way do you criticize god it's easy to trust god when we get what we want when life is easy but it's a bit harder to trust him when we're going through troubles or when troubles come and our our life gets harder the more we get to know god The deeper our relationship, the more we will trust him in the hard times. So here's Moses uh, calling out to God saying, Why haven't you done what you said you would do? Why haven't you done what you promised? And it's like God saying, Trust me. Look what I've promised to your ancestors. I've not forgotten what I said. I can hear you suffering. I can see what's happening. I will fulfill my promises. And you will know me more personally than ever before. I want to have a relationship with you. So let's look at the rest of this passage. So we're going to go from verse 9 through to 27. It says, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labour. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me, since I speak with faltering lips? Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron about the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he commanded them to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. These were the heads of of their families. So, for some reason, in here is is stuck um, a genealogy, a a family tree of Moses, and that goes from uh, 14 all the way through to uh, 25. And I'm not going to read that because I'm basically just bailing out on reading a load of difficult names. Um, So let's skip straight through to 26. It says, it was this Aaron... And Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. They were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. This same Moses and Aaron. Now, first of all, I just want to look at that genealogy uh, that's dumped right in the middle of this passage. I know I bailed out on on reading through it, but I just want to pick out a few names. Now, like I said, this is basically a section of Moses and Aaron's family tree, and it leads us right back to Levi. So it shows us that Moses and Aaron are the sons of Amram, um, who descends from the clan of Levi. So Joseph, you know, if you remember the guy with the technical coat who sang lots of songs and looked a bit like Jason Donovan, well, Levi was one of his brothers. Now, if you look back in the Bible, you can see that Levi was a bit of a lad. He had a bit of a checkered past. Levi and one of his other brothers basically exterminated a whole city in revenge for the rape of their sister. They just massacred a whole city. And their dad, Jacob, punished them for it. Now, I don't want, um, I don't know what the reason for this genealogy being in here is necessarily, but it just struck me that verse 12, Moses makes another excuse why he can't do what God is asking him to do. He, He rolls out that same old excuse. Why would Pharaoh listen to me? I speak with faltering lips. In, in other translations, it says he speaks with uncircumcised lips. Basically, I'm not worthy to do what you ask. I'm not good enough. There's There's been some things that have come out of my mouth that you wouldn't be too happy with. But right back through his family tree to Levi and now Moses, these are men that a flawed Moses doesn't think he's good enough. But God basically says in verse 13, yes, you are. Now, pull yourself together and crack on with it. And you might not think that you're good enough, but God says, yes, you are. So if we want to follow God, then we've got to know who he is. And if we know who he is, we can live every day trusting God. When I started truly um, growing a deeper relationship with God, things started getting harder rather than better for me. And you might feel like that. Or your life might not have worked out the way you hoped. Your dreams uh, might still be dreams. And you want to complain like Moses and the Israelites did. Just remember what, what what God said to them. You will see what I will do. I am the Lord. And what does God say to us today? Well, it says something better. You have seen what I have done. You have seen the Exodus or well you will when we finish this uh, this series. And you have seen the cross. 2 Corinthians 120 says for no matter how many promises God has made they are yes in Christ. All the promises God has made through the Bible are all answered with Jesus. When you're wondering what God is doing, when you doubt His kindness, when you're struggling to trust Him, when life gets harder rather than better, look to the cross. See how God keeps His promises. When Jesus died on the cross, it didn't look like God was keeping His promises. It looked like it failed. It looked like evil had won. But God used that defeat and weakness of the cross to bring salvation. When you're wondering what God is doing, when you're going through a tough time, when you're struggling to trust him, when life gets harder, not better, look at the cross and see how God brings triumph from defeat. People complained that Gareth Southgate wasn't making any progress with the England team, but people couldn't see the progress being made from the inside. And now we trust Gareth Southgate to go on and win the Euros. But keep digging deeper in your relationship with God. And even though it might look or feel like you aren't making any progress, you will find you trust God more than ever. And when the tough times come, you will trust the promises he makes. Are always The promises God makes are always answered with a yes. Have a great day. See you soon. Take care. God bless.